Jehovah. He is the second person of the Trinity, God in flesh, Yahweh, our Savior, Jesus. Uh, and then we have Adonai. And uh, in Isaiah chapter 6, the word is Adonai. When King Uzziah died, he said, I saw the Lord, Adonai, high and lifted up. He was on the throne. And I want to tell you, he's on the throne this morning, is he not? I tell you, what a special day. My heart's tender today. Uh, y'all made me cry several times, and I don't ever cry hardly. And so y'all are ministering to your pastor today, and I want to thank you for that. Amen? Let's find Jude, and uh, let's look in verse number 3, and kind of where we've been. I'm not going to spend any time on this. I just wanted to remind you kind of where we've been because we were uh, not interrupted, but we were paused by Vacation Bible School the first message I preached in this new series, Contenders of the Faith, we looked at the introduction, which was a call to contend. You're going to hear a little bit more about that today, but I did a, this an entire message to say, hey, it's a command from God that we contend for the faith. And then we looked at the introduction to the book itself, and Jude introduces himself and tells us who he is. This is the, the half-brother of Jesus, according to the flesh, and the brother of James. So in other words, Mary and Joseph had some more kids. These men that he speaks of in verse 1 and 2 did not accept the Lord until really later in Jesus' ministry and even after the resurrection. Uh, this verse this morning we, uh, with which we're going to deal is really the key verse in the entire book. Uh, this is a, a one-sentence summary was Christians must defend the faith against false teachers and at the same time they must build up their own faith in Christ. Uh, and so Jude really is exposing these false teachers of his day. I take that to bring it to you because we are being inundated by false teaching today. And so uh, we are funneled ourselves down to the main point of the entire book today. The first main point in the, in the outline is defending the faith. And so we're going to look at the occasion of the letter. Why was it that Jude actually wrote this? And so we're looking at defending the faith today, and Jude uh, starts in verse number 3. And, and here's the verse. Dear friends, although I was very... I was very eager to write to you about the salvation that we share. Your, your text should say the common salvation that we share. I felt that I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. And I want to unpack that for you as we begin. Jude calls us to defend the faith in verses 3. And then we'll look in verse 4. He's going to talk about the occupation of the lewd. He's going to talk about the false teachers and those people and what, they're, what they do and their characteristics of them. But here is the occasion of the letter. There's a, there's a compelling. The first point is the compelling. Jude just comes right out and explains why he writes the book. So there's no need in trying to figure it out. He tells us exactly why he wrote the book. He said, man, I sat down to write this to you. Obviously, he knew these folks, and he was writing them this letter, and he says, I, I wanted to talk to you about the common salvation that we share. Uh, man, it's a great thing in the day when you come to fellowship and you meet all the people, you see them out somewhere. I tell you, if I bump into Sanford or if I bump in uh, or when we play golf or wherever we're at, I bump into you somewhere, it doesn't take but just a second. We start talking about the Lord. Amen. That's what brothers and sisters in Christ do. Or somebody will ask me and say, hey, how's things going at church? Man, it won't take very long till we're not talking about church. We're talking about Jesus. I want to tell you, Jesus said, man, I wanted to sit down. I wrote this letter. Glory, hallelujah. There's some days that I come to this pulpit. And, man, I just want to preach a hallelujah, praise the Lord message and tell you all these great things. And then the Lord says, I got something else for you to do today, Jerry. And Jude says, this is what I want to do. I want to urge you. I want to exhort you. I want to encourage you. 
He uses the little Greek word spude, and it means diligence. Jude says, I want to be diligent in bringing you the message that God put on my heart. If you're a Sunday school teacher or if you've ever spoke anywhere or if you've had the privilege of being in the pulpit and you've, you've struggled with it. I love this when, when the young guys come to me and say, I just got this coming on my heart and I just don't know what to preach and I just get tickled sometimes when I, it, it, it confirms their calling in my life. Sometimes Brian will come in and he'll say, or I'll say, Brian, I'm going to be out gone. You're going to preach Sunday or what, what do you do? He'll come in and talk to me about a message with his kids and he's struggling. He's struggling with what to preach. He says, the Lord's put something on my heart. I just don't know what it is just yet and he'll go from one end of the Bible to the other I want to tell you that's the Holy Spirit of God working in a man of God's life directing him to get him in the right spot because I still believe as Jude did that you came here this morning looking for a word from God and I really believe that the Lord puts this I love you just listen to this word it's unction I can't define it but I know when I see it and you know when you see it. You know when the pastor comes. I'll tell you, I can listen to guys preach, and I'll say, that joker's not prepared. He just pulled out something and did it because he was lazy this week. I can tell you when he comes to the pulpit, and he's been affected by the message like Jude was. And I'll tell you, if I didn't have a message, I'd go sell insurance. Anybody can, can just bring it half-baked. I want you to get what's on my heart. It, the notes are online. You read it. You say, Brother Jerry, somebody's already said to me, there's a hundred and something pages of notes on there. Exactly. And I'll tell you, when I get through unpacking this, you'll know why. Because I got an unction when I was sitting in my office. The Holy Spirit rang my bell, and so I'm going to ring your bell. <laughs> I want you to know what the Lord has told me. I've broken this apart for you. He says, we've got a common salvation. And, and the word literally there for common is the word koine. See, when I was in school, we took Koine Greek. The word Koine means common. This was the gutter language. There was classical Greek. There was Latin. It was all these languages, but the, but the people, the business language of the day was Koine Greek. It was the street language. It's how people communicated. And thank, thank the Lord, it's a little bit easier than Hebrew. And so he says, he uses this word, the common salvation. And so I want to tell you, what we have in here is a common salvation. When I meet somebody in the airport and they're from Germany and I find out they're a believer and we start talking, we're not talking about two different salvations. We're talking about the common salvation. And so when I come to preach to you, I'm bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is going to get even a little bit better here in a minute. Jew says, man, I had an unction. I wanted to come and talk to you all about this common salvation that we all share. Sometimes I just want to come, let's talk about a good evangelistic thing that happened, and we want to talk about the common salvation. And the Lord says, no, I want to direct you to a different place. The, the word here for, for encourage, the word spude, means business or care. Jesus said, I wanted to come and do this, but the Lord put some urgency and some unction in my heart to deal with his business. And every time you teach a Sunday school lesson, listen, you can talk to our Sunday school teachers. They'll tell you, Pastor, we came in to the sermon, and they'll tell me after church, you were in our Sunday school class. 
I said, no, I wasn't in there, but I know who was. The Holy Spirit was in there because he put us all together. And God makes the Word of God. The author is the Holy Spirit of the book. Am I right? And so the author knows what I'm teaching and preaching. He knows what Sanford is teaching, what Charlie's teaching. And the Lord begins to put all that together. So you go home and you're thinking of all these things because somebody prepared. They had some unction about them. I like unction. The first, the first phrase here, Jew said, I felt that I had to. Uh, uh, the, the little Greek word means to constrain. It means there's a necessity. There's a distress on his heart. And when I see these young guys doing this, the first thing after I've been pastoring for this long and preaching so many messages and having to find something to preach, man, there's nothing any more frustrating than you get invited to go preach somewhere. You don't know who the people are. You don't know what's going on in their church. You don't know if they're high church or they're middle church, if they're contemporary, they're conservative. You see, and so you begin this process. You struggle. What should I preach when I get there? But here's, here's the key to being a good pastor. Fight through that struggle so that you know when you go to the pulpit, it didn't matter who they are they're all sinners when you when you take all the the makeup off and all the dresses and, and all the suits and ties and you take everything away they're all sinners in need of a message from the Lord and so when you go take the book with you y'all all right you can tell this has affected me I really like this sometimes I feel like Paul says the love of Christ constrains me have you ever been constrained Oh, yeah, you've been constrained before. Sometimes you don't let that constraint hold you down, and you say stuff you shouldn't say. You do things that you shouldn't do. But the Holy Spirit, by the love of God, constrains me, he says. Literally distress. It's the same feeling that I had in Jude that I had in Habakkuk. I was like, Lord, you want me to preach out of Habakkuk? Good night. And then I read it, and then I read it again, and then I read it again. And for those of you who think I'm dragging this out, let me tell you, I read, I'm reading an expository preaching book that was back from the 40s and the 50s from, from Witzel, and there were some men who spent a year in the book of Jude. That's breaking it out. I want to tell you, now I've done that to you, but there's some good stuff in here, and I want you to understand it. And when the Lord gets a hold of the preacher or the Sunday school teacher or the deacon and he gets a hold of his heart and he constrains him, the word literally here, this little word, anarchy, uh, it means to put a compulsion on him. It means to tie him up. And y'all know why I have to be tied up? Because I'm wild as a buck. And I want to do what I want to do. And you see, I want to come and preach the easy sugar sticks. You know, I can go to revival and I can tell you the preacher that comes, he preached the sugar stick. He preached one that was good. You know, sometimes you go and you preach a hard word. Sometimes you preach a difficult word. And here's what we do at Woodlake. We go through the Bible. And I, and I keep talking to these guys, and they say, I can't find anything to preach Sunday. I say, I'll tell you what, if you were in a book, you'd know where you're going to be Sunday. Well, that's hard. Yes, it's hard. That's what they're paying you to do. You know how to exegete the Scriptures. Get in there. You see, this is how some of the preachers across town will tell you, well, we've changed our view on that. You know why I can't change my view on that? Because when I get to those passages, I don't skip them. And they wear me out, and I'm going to wear you out, and we're going to speak the truth. So he says, listen, every Sunday morning, you come here, I got unction, I got fire in my heart, fire in my belly. I got power running through my veins. You know why? Because I'm here to protect you. And if you don't like that, you're in the wrong place. Because I'm going to tell you who the false teachers are. 
I'm going to tell you what they believe and where they're going and why you have to be careful about them. They want your children. They want your life. They want to destroy everything about you. They want to destroy the kingdom of God. And bless God, I can't stand it. It's breaking my heart that many of the men that I've looked up to are falling by the wayside. My own denomination. Listen, we used to talk about the Methodists. Boy, they're slipping. Look what they're doing. And they're ordaining women. We're ordaining women. Listen, the Southern Baptist Convention sexual abuse firm that investigated the sexual abuse in the Southern Baptist Convention has come out in full support of homosexuality and sexual perversion. That's, that's our denomination, not anybody else. We can't, we can't point fingers and say, you know what? Look at those liberals over there. The apostates have infiltrated our conventions. They're in our seminaries. And they're turning out preachers who are soft on sin, who've done away with hell, and literally, listen very carefully, they're redefining the terms of what pastor means. They're redefining the term uh, pro-life. So see, now if you're not a feminist, you can't say you, you believe in pro-life because that's a part of it. You see what they're doing is softening it. They're redefining the terms. And so the Word of God speaks very clearly on these things. Our, our former Southern Baptist president said the Bible barely has a whisper in it about homosexuality. He's a heretic and a fool because the Bible speaks very clearly about it. As a matter of fact, it's screaming it. There's one man in California, Albert Tate, who says that if you take a hard stance, this is a pastor who has people listening to him, a large church in California, says that if you take a hard stance on abortion, that you're satanic. The ERLC of the Southern Baptist Convention says, from Matt Chandler, says abortion is necessary. The new president we just elected is a liberal progressive. And he lies. And you can go on to his webpage and he'll define all these things in biblical terms. But if you look close and you look underneath, you see how he's voting, you'll understand. And so Jew says, are you willing to contend for the faith? Pastor's coming here every Sunday pouring this out for you. And I want to tell you, I ain't backing up. I'm going to tell you the truth and I'm going to stand on it. It's a necessity. He, said, he uses the word for necessity. He says this has to be. Now, there's a similar but exact relationship to a phrase in John 4, 4 and Acts 17, 3. Let me give you an example of why we're called to contend for the faith. He says in, in John 4, 4, now he had to go through Samaria. Did you hear what I said? He had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground of Jacob where uh, uh, Jacob had given to his, his son Joseph. Now listen very carefully. There was a woman at the well there. And Jesus, usually the Jews would not go through that area. They went around it because they didn't like the half-breeds of the day. The Jews and the Gentiles had married. G the scripture, John tells us, he uses a little Greek word, day, D-E-I, in English, and he says, Jesus had to go through Samaria. Now, why did Jesus have to go through Samaria? Because he had an unction. He had a calling from God Almighty. The Holy Spirit led him 
not to go around Samaria, but to go through it and to stop at Jacob's well because there was going to be a woman that was going to come there that needed a, a river of life flowing from her heart. Same concept, same words that Jude. Now listen, if I said to you that Jesus Christ had to come to this earth for us to be saved, would you say that's true? If Jesus had to come to this earth so that we could be saved and you believe that that's true, then you have to stand with your pastor when he says we are called to contend for the faith. Are y'all all right? You can't come to me and say, now, Brother Jerry, you just got to love these folks. Listen, I love these folks, but you listen carefully to me. And it's coming up in 2 John when I preach it too. John talks about two things, love and truth. But I want to tell you, truth is absolutely it, it is the, the key spiritual virtue that we have to stand on. Without truth, your love means absolutely nothing. We just got to be nice and love everybody. Let's live and let live. No, we don't. We contend for the faith. We contend for the faith. I'm not backing up. I'm not going to say that sin is, is okay. And I'm going to tell you this too. If you don't believe it, I'm not going to tell you my sin's okay. I'm going to tell you I'm a man of the flesh. Until Jesus calls me home, I'm living in this flesh, and I'm going to fight this flesh, and I'm going to fight it every day that I'm here so that when Jesus comes, there may not be a big change. But I'm a sinner. But the Scripture says don't call sin bad good and good bad. He says stand on the truth. And so that's what we're going to do. Listen, Paul the Apostle said the same thing in Acts 17, 2 through 4. As his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue. And on three Sabbath days, what did Paul do? He reasoned, he reasoned with them about the scriptures. Paul didn't go around the synagogue. Paul went in the synagogue and messed with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, and the, the, the guys who were scribes who were lying to the people and misrepresenting the word of God. Paul went to the fire. He went into the heat. And he says, no, this is wrong. We have to stand for the Scriptures. Paul argued with them about the Scriptures. Now listen, explaining and proving that Christ, listen to these words, had to suffer. Same word. It was a necessity. So if we're going to say that Jesus had to suffer, we also have to say that we are called to contend for the faith. Yes, you love people. I love Dr. Gray's, and we'll tell you this in a little bit when we get there. Dr. Gray says, contend, but don't be contentious. I'm not going to fight with you. I'm not going to argue with you. But if you'll start telling people the truth, they might listen to you. If they get mad, guess what? God didn't call me to argue with people. He didn't call me to beat them over the head. He didn't call me to call them names. You know, you've never heard your pastor call a homosexual an, an odd name from this pulpit. You never heard me tell jokes about it. A lot of preachers do that. I don't do that. I tell them that they're sick. You know why? Because Jesus Christ loves them. And I want them to hear the truth of the gospel, the precious, refreshing, life-changing message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what I want them to hear. I want them to hear because, you see, my sin was just as bad as their sin. And Jesus saved me, and I love them. Love covers a multitude of sin. My love doesn't cover their sin. Love covers my sin. So that I can talk to them. Y'all all right? John says, I came to talk to you about truth and love. They work together. So we're not here to bash anybody. 
And I've had people tell me, boy, you, boy, you lightening up, Brother Jerry. No, their sin is going to send them to hell. Your sin will send you to hell if you don't know Christ. It doesn't matter how you get there. It's still the same, right? Jude could have written about theology, could have written about redemption, could have written about the resurrection, and a thousand other topics. Jude could have talked about so many different types of things. He could have said, well, I want to talk to you about soteriology, anthropology, angelology, cosmology, eschatology, harmartiology, pneumatology. He didn't pick one thing out. He didn't even say, you know, Jude didn't say, Jude didn't say, I want to talk to you about the salvation message. I want to talk to you about the gospel message. He didn't even say that. He said, I want to talk to you about the faith. And he says, the reason that I want you to be uh, counseled and comforted, and the reason I want you to contend, another aspect of this is parakaleo. It means to come alongside. And you know why you need encouragement to do this? You know why I need your encouragement? I'm going to get flack from teaching the truth. People are getting angry about the truth. And you got to stand with me. God called you to do it. Here's what I don't understand. Why people won't stand for the truth. See, you stand for the truth, you can lose your job today. For any one little thing you say. I think that Jude was expressing an overwhelming feeling of conviction from the Holy Spirit. And every Sunday I stand here with that same unction from the Lord to say, why are Christians not listening? Why are Christians not talking about, listen, if a man gets in the pulpit, let me, just, let me just say this to you. If a man gets in the pulpit and he's a great pulpiteer, that does not mean that he is preaching the truth. If he has a church with membership of 50,000, that does not mean he's preaching the truth. If he's handsome and debonair, if, he's, if he appears to talk the language of Zion, listen to what he says. Jude says, listen, one of my professors told us this a long time ago. Yelling ain't preaching. Y'all all right? You, anybody can get up and be a big old dumb country boy and stand there and just blabber and, and yell. You've got to have some substance in there. You've got to have the truth in there. Do your homework and come with a message for the people. If we're going to defend the faith, we've got to be compelled like Jude. And then we've got to be comforted. Comfort really is the second aspect of unction. It means to come alongside of someone. It's a word that is usually used to motivate men in battle. So when I come to you and teach you the truth and tell you to go out and teach the truth, I'm also going to be here to comfort you, and the Holy Spirit's got to be there to comfort you. You know why? Because when I start to talk to someone, it gets uncomfortable sometimes. And we don't want to argue but you've got to be brave. You've got to stand for the truth. And if you're the only one at work today, I can promise you this. If you're the only Christian in your office and you say, I don't believe in homosexuality. I don't believe in adultery. I don't believe in drunkenness. You're going to get attacked. You need the comfort of the Holy Spirit, right? And you've got to measure the truth against the people that are surrounding you. You know, the hardest thing you're going to ever have to do is stand alone on the truth. See, can I say this to you? It's easier for me to do it than you do it. See, they expect me to do it because I'm a pastor. Well, that's just pastor talk. But when you do it, you're going to get persecuted. So just look for that comforting of the Holy Spirit. Many comfort people by telling them lies. You see, you don't want to falsely comfort people. <laughs> you just make them happy on their way to hell. They feel good about going to hell. No, you don't want to do that. You want to tell them the truth. 
can I say, I'm not here to be contentious. I'm not here to offend, but the gospel does offend. The truth does offend. It, it hurts at times because now there's not a lot of truth out there, so it pops up against it. I will comfort hearts, but I will not tickle ears. Not doing it. Because one day I'm going to have to stand before the Lord. Jude wanted to bring a message of comfort so that everybody could shout hallelujah and say praise the Lord. Do you all know those days when we do that? And the glory of God falls. And my heart's tender. Your heart's tender. And people come to cry. Oh, what beautiful days those are. I want to tell you, some of those days are past. We've got to preach the truth. We've got to rub up against this society and tell them what's up. The Holy Spirit led him in another warning and a word of caution. Can I just say this to you? A word of warning can also be a word of comfort and glory. Hallelujah. See, if I tell you the truth and you come to Christ, that's glory. Hallelujah. Amen. If I stand here and tell you the truth and someone is delivered this morning by just getting the truth, they're delivered from some addiction or some habit, or they get the, just the spiritual intestinal fortitude from pastor's passion and unction to do what's right. That's deliverance. That's a, that's a good thing. But notice what Jude said. Here's the contending. Here's the contending part. Let me finish right here this morning. I've given you a good look into this, this rich spiritual word, but here the word is uh, epagonizomai. <clears throat> Let me break this down for you. This is like an athletic competition. It has a word epi on the front of it that increases the intensity of it. So you can tell what Jude is doing. He's still using words that talk about passion and energy and gut-driving emotion, passion, to stick with it. And then it's translated here, the, the middle of the word, listen to this, agonizo, agonizo. Do you hear an English word in there? Agonizo, it's the word agony. And I want to tell you, he is striving. I, I see old brother Chris back there, I guarantee you, brother Chris get in the morning, he's throwing them weights around. Man, let me tell you something. And he does 10 reps of 400 on the bench press. Y'all all right? And as strong as he is, there will come a point that his buddies will say, and he wants to get to 15. He'll say, 10, 11, 12, 13. And then 14, it gets like this. Arms start shaking. Chris, am I right? And you go till you can't go anymore. And then he get, he get 15. Need to go down for another one. And he stops. And then he's got a spotter there. And the spotter says, Good job, man. Helps him get it up. That's agony. It hurts. That's why I don't do it. <laughs> All right. Jude says, I want you to agonize. Now I want you to notice it. one little word, two letters in the original language. It's it's an O, an omega. But it's, it's pronounced, hey, it's the word the in English. And Jew said, I wanted to write to you about all these things, but I came to write to you about the faith. The faith. Man, are there some preachers across the Southern Baptist Convention talk about us that are in trouble because they're preaching their words and not the faith. That's, see, Jude didn't even say, I want, I want to talk to you about the gospel. 
See, the gospel is a part of the faith. It's not the faith. It's a part of the faith. And so when we learn about the Holy Spirit, we learn about discipleship, we learn about angels in the Bible, we learn about sin, we learn about uh, salvation, soteriology, we learn Christology, we learn about the life of Christ. That's the faith. That's all of it. It encompasses everything. And this would include the sum of everything that Christians believe. We are to be solid in the faith and lead people in their godly lives. Jude didn't even say the gospel. He said everything. The gospel message is evangelism. It's so important to what we do. We're speaking of the entire written word of God. Now, where's pastor going with this? You be the preacher. This is why, we, this is why I'm an expository preacher. This is why we're going through the book of Jude. I'm not skipping around all the sugar sticks. I'm not skipping around all the good hallelujah words. I'm telling you the entire truth of the Word of God. And we're going right through every one of them. All of them. The Old Testament, even. It's relevant. Why? Because Jude said, and I want to tell the preacher across town with 40,000 members, do you think you're better than Jude? Do you think you're better than Jesus Christ? Jude said the entire word of God. Every bit of it. Every week I come here. I'm giving you everything I got. I'm coming to it. The entire word of God was given, and that's what we're going to preach, and that's what we're going to contend with. Back, Listen, back in the 1700s and 1800s, there's a bunch of garbage that came out of Germany called Neo-Orthodoxy. And Wellhausen and his group, and the, and the basic premises of it is the Word of God becomes the Word of God. When you read it and it means something to you, well, that's when it becomes the Word of God. Can I tell you that Jesus never became the Son of God? He is a Son of God. He was a Son of God, and He's going to be the Son of God. And His Word is the same it was the Scripture, it is the Scripture, and it's going to be the Scripture. And it didn't just all of a sudden because some silly little whip behind the ears preacher in 2022 thinks he knows better than God. No, it's still the Word of God. And we're going to preach it from Genesis to the maps. Y'all all right? That's where we're going. You see, Jude was afraid of the false teachers of his day, and I'm afraid of the false teachers in our day. He said, well, you just, Brother Jerry, you're homophobic. Yes, I am. And y'all are Christophobic. You're afraid of the truth. You're afraid of Jesus and who he is and how he can change lives. For crying out loud, we've got schools today that are bringing in drag queens to have storytelling hours. And people are allowing their children, it's child abuse. It's child abuse. Let's call it what it is. It's complete, utter perversion. The preachers are allowing them to come in to their churches. Preachers. If y'all don't know this, you need to start reading. They're having story hour. And the parents of the teacher of the of the churches are bringing their children to hear this, with all this stuff going on. So over the weekend, one of the pride parades, they're walking around naked in the street. You know, I said naked, and that's what they're doing. 
And one little bitty fellow was so embarrassed, he turned his back. His mother grabbed him and turned him around and made him watch these people dancing, men dressed up like this, dancing in front of him. You don't think we got false prophets here? And the preachers are bringing this into the churches. May I say, God help us? The Mormons, we, we thought the Mormons <laughs> and the Jehovah's Witnesses were bad. We thought the Christian scientists were bad. We thought all that was bad. You know who's bad? The Southern Baptists, that's who's bad. Yes, and I want you to notice one more little word there, and we're going to be finished. Jude says, I came to bring you the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. That's a very, very important, very, very, very important little word. The little word means it's a pox. And it means once for all delivered, never to be repeated. So the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Southern Baptist preachers, Catholicism teaches when the Pope speaks ex-cathedral, it's the very words of God. No. It's already been spoken once for all. Did I just read it right there? It's in verse 3. What did the word of God say? Once for all. This is it. And it's Old Testament from Genesis all the way through Revelation. It's the entire word of God. There's a group now that, that they're just willing to just cut what they want out. Dr. Gray says that's what we have now. Uh, did you know that Charles Spurgeon, many believe, and I believe it too, I've read all of his writings, and I've read most of uh, his autobiography, that Spurgeon died an early death because he was fighting liberalism of his day. we got people today who add to the Word of God. There's people who divide the Word of God. They multiply it, and some just subtract away from it. Let's just take out what we don't believe. And I, and I say this with a lot of passion about all the liars that are in the pulpit, but we, there's no sense in being contentious. But let's just teach the truth. Let's preach the truth. Let me just share this illustration with you how this works, okay? And, and, and we're going to get into who these people are and their characteristics, but this happened right here. Some of the people in this room were probably in that room when this happened. And just, just to show you how it happens so that you'll understand that pastors, I experienced it too, that we were in the choir room and we are having Sunday school. There was a couple that was visiting. They had been to several fellowships. I knew there was something up because I welcomed them in. He said, well, well, at least we're making a little progress with this Baptist church. Nobody's hit me over the head and asked me if I was born again yet. And I says, well, just wait a minute, and I'm going to ask you. You all right? That was several fellowships ahead of time. And then we're meeting in this room right over here. And we were going through, honest, honest to goodness, was in 1 John. We were in the passage where the passage says that anyone who denies that Jesus is the Christ is Antichrist. Y'all all right? That's what the Word of God said. Amen? Guess what pastor was teaching? Teaching that if you deny that Jesus is the Christ, that he's deity, 
going to hell. The guy raised his hand. He said, so are you telling me that if I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I will go to hell? I wish you could have seen the eyes and the mouths of the people in my room. See, because I don't think they'd ever been confronted with anybody that was just that bold about it. And I said, buddy, I love you, but I'm going to tell you the truth that's right here in the Scripture. That if you leave this world without Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you'll die and go to a devil's hell and be eternally separated from God forever and ever. Here's what he said to me. Well, if that's what this church believes, then we're in the wrong place. They got up, and they go out the door. I said, before you go, I just want you to know we love you, and I'm praying for you, and I'm praying that you'll come to find the truth. They were Jehovah's Witnesses. And then they left. Didn't cause any problems, anything else. We didn't fight. When I stand before Jesus Christ, I will not be responsible for that man. Tell the truth. Love them. We didn't fight. We didn't throw things. And listen, if you remember the ice storm where the I-20 got shut down and all that not too long ago, that guy's a trucker. His truck slid off the road. He was down in a ditch. Channel 2 Eyewitness News was interviewing him. And I thought to myself, he could have died in that accident. You know, that, was, that was about a week later after that had happened. I beg you, I contend for the faith this morning. My folks looking by way of Internet, if you don't have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you leave this world without a relationship with Christ, if you believe in the false teachers out there that are telling you that it's okay, you say, Brother Jerry, would people really tell people that? In Harvard University, they're telling men that they're women. Yes, they'll tell them that. They're putting feminine products in the men's bathrooms. They're telling young children, little boys, that they can get pregnant. Yes, they will tell you the dumbest stuff. If they'll tell you that, do you think they're going to tell you the truth about the Scripture? I'm begging you. For the love of God, he loves you so much. Give your life to Jesus Christ. If you've been visiting with us today and you want to come and say, Pastor, I want to be a part of this church and contend for the faith. Pastor is going to be right here with you. If you just want to come to the altar and pray, you come and let's pray. If you pray right where you are, that's okay too. I'm calling on us all to contend for the faith. In Jesus' name, let's stand. Father. This is your moment. This is your time. This is our time for the week. This is the most important time of the week. The Savior is calling someone right now. Whether they're in this room or whether they're listening by way of the Internet, I know with all of my heart that Jesus is speaking to someone right now. Lord, would you help them to just simply lift their face to heaven? And say, Heavenly Father, I know that you're there. I know that you're listening to me. I know that your spirit is trying to constrain me through love. And I want to be saved. Lord, save me. Forgive me of my sin. 
just like, Lord, I come just like I am. I'm unable to leave my sin. I'm unable to overcome. God, would you help me make me your child today? Father, I know that if they'll do that, you'll save them on the authority of your word. Give us hearts as we call upon our gentle and humble Savior. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Will you come this morning? Will you come? God's calling you. Would you come?